We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Winning isn't everything, but it's the only thing. In our business, there is no second place. Either you're first or you're last. Exactly two minutes remain in this football game. Dallas leads Green Bay 17-14. Star on third down. Third and goal. Quarterback. With 14 seconds left. And the Green Bay Packers are going to be world champions, NFL champions for the third straight year. Star lays it up for Freeman, and it's incomplete. Or did he cave in the catch at the 15? Yes. What are they going to roll it? He caught it. Touchdown. He did what? Rodgers in trouble. It's going to get there. He turned 32 yesterday. Does he have a vintage moment in it? In the end zone. And he's caught for the win. Richard Rodgers with a walk-off touchdown. The final snap of Super Bowl 45. The Green Bay Packers have won the Super Bowl. The Lombardi Trophy is coming home. What is up, everybody? Welcome to Talk of the Tundra, the GSPN Green Bay Packers podcast. We are talking to you today after the Packers have fallen to the Minnesota Vikings. We will talk all about that and sort of our frustrations in the game. But joining me today... Two OGs of the GSPN network. I have Ty to my right on the YouTube video and Adam to my left. Boys, how are you doing? Uh, I've been better. Uh, I've been better after yeah. watching the Green Bay Packers lose 23-7, to not score in the first half, uh, at one point be down 20-0. So I've been better, but I'm excited Regardless of the result that we get to podcast about real NFL football today after I mean, we didn't we didn't do a full offseason. We didn't launch in time, but, you know, so much preseason, so much practice squad pods. I'm excited that we have real football. And I will say watching NFL all day is nothing like it, man. NFL Sunday is special. So I'm OK. I'm conflicted to, to put it shorter. I feel like an idiot for waiting to make my debut after a week four of, of a Packers football season. I should have waited another week. It was there right in front of me. I should have remembered what I had to sit through last season, but I didn't. And here I am. Uh, it, I'm delighted it all seriousness to be here. <laughs> Finally be talking Packers um, on the pod. Yeah, the uh, the week one similarities are are similar to that 20 
2021 campaign. But before we get into that, we have to uh, do a little backtracking. Last week, we texted you all about uh, the Packers' season uh, record predictions, and Jordan and I forgot that we were talking about those on the last episode, which would have been a bit much better, but uh, we'll go through those now just to see how all you guys look in the in the bright light of a 0-1-1 loss against the Vikings Week 1. <laughs> There's a lot of 13-4 and here with a lot of Super Bowl champs, so I'm sure that energy might have dissipated a little bit, but it's only Week 1, as we saw last year. It's not that too big of a deal. Um, some comments... 13 and 4 Super Bowl champs, Roger Tires, Love Area Begins. That's from Keith. 11 and 6 uh, Super Bowl with, from, uh, from John. Another Super Bowl prediction, 14 and 3. And then uh, there's a comment from Jake Komorowski. 11 and 6, but we were making it to Super Bowl, baby. Best defense they've had in a decade. Let's uh, talk about that next week, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> I will say the 11 and 6 Super Bowl crowd has to be like, well. You get healthy, maybe that 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 prediction doesn't feel terrible right now. Eleven and they'd six be, in Super Bowl. That's all right. Been watching the books. That's that's yeah. where you get to eleven and six and end yeah. up with, yep. with a championship. That's when the Matt Lafleur trip with uh, the Bucks comes in. Exactly. Yeah. And then from Kelp, uh, I think they get to the NFC Championship again as long as they stay healthy. The schedule isn't too tough, and I think the offense will be just fine spreading the ball around. More touches for Aaron Jones. However, only one of you is on track. Well, all of you are probably on track. It's only week one. But somebody... Well, there was a 17-0, weren't wasn't no, there? No, I, I, I misspoke. It's the oh, opposite. Okay. One, oh. of you, one of you that texts us is 0-17, straight to the first pick. So, you're on track. <laughs> Let's <laughs> hope we don't have to talk about 17 straight losses. Hey, so, here's the thing. Here's the thing. You can't finish with 13 wins without losing four times. So, that's, right. that's, that's where we're at. That's where we're Knocked at. out one of those, only three more of those to go. Yeah. So... Packers, like I said, ultimately lose 23-7 to to the Minnesota Vikings at U.S. Bank Stadium, a place they've had trouble winning ever since that stadium was really built since the COVID year. It's tough to play there. Vikings fans are loud. We've known this. And they get up for playing against the Packers. Um, game started off relatively not good, we'll say. Vikings drive down the field 78 yards in 10 plays finishing it off with a touchdown um, to Justin Jefferson, who we'll talk more about Justin Jefferson later, but just tore up the uh, the Packers defense that entire first half. Um, Packers then come out, punt a whole bunch, and then drive down the field, then turn it over on downs. The Vikings would mix in a field goal and another touchdown there, um, ultimately to end the first half up 17-0. And then a fumble from Rodgers to uh, bring out the second half when he got absolutely sandwiched between a couple of players. I believe that was the play that uh, John Runyon got his concussion on, which isn't ideal either, which thrust Zach Tom into into the mix. Vikings finish off that uh, drive after the fumble, the field goal. Packers then march down for a touchdown to make it 20-7, uh, to and that would be the rest of the scoring from uh, the Packers. Vikings would have a field goal late to uh, essentially seal it, and that was your game. It was uh, it's a lot more nuanced than that, as we'll get into, but sort of from the first drive from the Vikings, it was tough sledding. So, any, like overall vibes on the game, first and foremost, from you guys. 
Yeah, I think I'm kind of torn. I think on the one hand, like clearly the offense was a huge problem. Anytime you score seven points in a game, that that's really problematic. I think a lot of people's takes, myself included, as the game was going down was really, you know, we knew the offense might struggle, but the defense was supposed to carry and it wasn't even close to carrying, which is certainly a problem. But the more I look at it, I don't think the Packers defense was terrible. I think they were bad early and they actually did a pretty good job tightening up, only allowing six second half points to Minnesota. Packers win the second half didn't obviously wasn't enough, but you know, I think the defense certainly had issues, especially with covering that, you know, one player, Justin Jefferson, as, as you mentioned, we'll talk about when we dive into the defense, but your offense scoring seven points with Aaron Rodgers under center, it's just embarrassing. I think that is still the much bigger and more pressing issue because defensively you hope to get healthy, healthy, you hope to settle in, you hope to not have, you know, such an outrageously bad blown plays on a superstar player again. And if you don't, maybe it's, you know, maybe it's 17 that you give up and 17 is a, if anytime you give up under 20, that's, that's pretty solid. But if you're scoring seven, you're just not going to win that many football games. Like we're, we're at a place right now where it feels like the Packers are like the Brewers where it's like, Defense, just give up three and we can win. Like, it doesn't work that way in the NFL. You can't do that. You can't make the defense right. be Corbin Burns. So uh, I think the offense is is really problematic and really, you know, hope we can get Alan Lazard back next week. He didn't play. Uh, get the rookies more mixed in, everything else. But um, to certainly just need to find ways to score more points because, I, again, you can only say it so many ways, right? Seven points, just not going to do it in the NFL. Right. The last thing I needed starting off another Wisconsin sports season was to hear a comparison to the Brewers. It's uh, just for you, Adam. It's just I'm for nearly, you. I'm nearly at the end of a season of that exact experience of, oh, you know, the defense is pretty good. And uh, that's that's tough. That doesn't always work out as you like. I, I mean, I think you're right, Ty. The offense, it's picking up where we saw them last time i mean i think that's that's part of the concern there it's the same sort of issues for as much as we saw um we had those not so helpful updates on the screen comparing the packers entire offensive output today to uh now former packers output the reality is that today the last time we saw them it was all kind of much of a much there's not really a whole lot to pick apart there in the difference the defense, I do think you're probably right to an extent, but there was a lot that was not great there. And I think if we're going to be optimistic about it, I hope it feels like it would be unlikely that both the offense and defense come out with performances like this at the same time in the games ahead. I wouldn't be surprised if we do see a handful of offensive struggles um, and I do think they have the tools. We saw that today as well. They have the tools, may need to go to them a little bit more frequently, but to fight your way through those kind of games. But yeah, this was this was pretty bad all around. And if that's the place they're gonna start from, I guess the only way is up. And right. there are there are signs that that is there for them next week to make those improvements. Right. I agree. Like it's I having I'm I've been to keep reminding myself that it's week one. Like, we got embarrassed last year in week one. We turned out just fine. Might be the same thing this year where we turned out just fine. Let's hope it is. Um, but I guess from overall vibes, and we can kind of get into our um, into our points on the offense. Start the game. Rodgers throws a deep ball to Christian Watson. 
and it goes right through his hands. Like that was, I don't want to make it sound like and blow it up for more than what it is. That was kind of the play of the game. It was a chance to just punch the Vikings right in the face and let them know that we don't need Devontae Adams anymore. We have these two new rookies that are going to be beating you over the top all season and for years to come. And he just drops it. It's right through his hands. And you don't want to beat him up too much about it because that was his first NFL snap ever. And so, like, that's just tough. But then the wheels kind of fell off after that. They couldn't get anything going on offense to begin with. And it was just sort of tough the entire first half that way. Yeah, I think the setting the tone for the offense in a negative way was bad. And, of course, the other thing is, you know, I think there's probably some people. I think we should talk about the the Devontae Adams thing. Like, would it have helped? Yes, but I think, Adam, you nailed it in that, like, is he fixing all of the issues we saw? No, and we know this because we saw Green Bay's offense get stuck in the mud, I guess the snowy mud, against San Fran last postseason with Devontae Adams, and it still didn't make enough of a difference. So would it have helped? Yes, and would it have been nice to see the rookies that you get to draft high, you know, as part of that trade, as part of the return for that trade, play better? Yes, but, you know, it's not everything. But I think that played a Christian Watson the drop. I, I joked, I guess it wasn't a joke at the time, that Rodgers just isn't going to target Christian Watson again for the rest of the game. Yeah. He did once with four, four, I just looked it up, 357 to go in the fourth. He throws it to him as part of one of the few package drives that looked like it was actually pretty promising once they drove into Minnesota territory. Um, it, it, it's that's the thing and we knew this right we knew rogers with the young guys especially one like watson who didn't get to play at all in the preseason the leash was going to be short and these guys really had to prove themselves on the fly and of course watson it it feels bad i mean one play happens you know guys make mistakes Devontae adams dropped a lot of balls as a young player certainly not saying that right. you know christian watson's going to be Devontae adams but young players make mistakes but it, obviously that was going to set the tone, not just for the whole offense and the whole game, but specifically for the young guys. I think Dobbs had a mistake on that first drive to, you okay. know, Watson, Watson doesn't. Yeah. Oh, second one. Thank you. Watson doesn't put his hands out late in the game and it's almost a pick like the trust is just clearly not there yet. More so. I think it's more there with Dobbs than Watson. But, you know, Rogers Watson, you know, not ideal for your top drafted skill position player to start off on pretty much the worst possible foot with Aaron Rodgers. I, I do think that's tough too, because part of the issue that I know I've had when you hear all of the talk around, okay, well, Devonta Adams is gone. Maybe they could be better. You know, maybe they're just going to share the ball around now. And the problem was there was this over-reliance on them. I think it's partly the way that Rogers is programmed, that there's going to be an over-reliance on someone. And yeah. part of that, that I think we should accept is it's going to be a lesser receiver than it was last year. That's kind of pretty obvious. But I thought Christian Watson had some really nice moments in spite of that. And I think when you look at the route running to get that opportunity at the beginning of the game, you look at his speed. Yeah. There was a nice play with a handoff where, again, you get one of your, your bigger gains for the game out of that. I think it was a mistake not to just be like, okay, he is a rookie. He's going to make mistakes. I thought it was funny on the broadcast. They were giving Rogers a lot of credit for staying calm after that. I was like, look at, look at his face. He's not, he's not all that calm. He wasn't like, Oh, it's fine. I'll throw it to you again. You'll do that. I, I think ultimately, look, they lost the game and I don't know what the difference is in losing in week one. 
while not really going to your two rookie receivers as opposed to kind of showing them more trust than maybe they've earned at this point and being like, let's iron it out. Or you know what? You ran a good route there. You didn't get the catch, but let's do it again. Let's get you a touchdown. Right. Like that is t- Ty nailed it. I think the biggest thing with that play, and I don't think you're overstating the importance of it. I think if if he completes that, Packers could win quite comfortably. But it, the biggest impact it has is what it does for Rogers' confidence in his receivers. Yep. And that changes the game. It tightens things up for the run game in the first half, particularly because the Vikings didn't have to worry about any threat deep. They were guarding well against the long ball, but it wasn't really going there because Rodgers was like, who am I going to throw with it? Right. I was annoyed and just, yeah, I'll say annoyed. I was annoyed with the fact that after that first drive, and I'm sorry, Ty, you were right, when Dobbs broke in and Rodgers threw out, that was like the mistake that Dobbs made. If it was Dobbs' fault. If it, like, who knows which way he was supposed to break, only they two. Only those two in the offense really knows, but seeing Rodgers on the sidelines immediately get pissed and start yelling and being Aaron Rodgers, like because he's known for his competitiveness, competitiveness, and everything, really irked me. Just because like these guys are young and there is going to be growing pains. Like don't be, don't rule with the iron fist per se to come down on these guys so hard because guy who is on his literal first snap drops a deep ball and one guy broke in instead of out. Like it's it's not yeah. that serious, and it's setting a bad tone for how the game is going to go. If it's all negative right away, just because you went three and out, which happens often, like they're not going to score every drive. But it's also yeah. you need them if you're to win this season. You need them. right. So that that's that's the biggest reason why, like <laughs> the first couple of snaps of game one, I wouldn't be like. Oh God, he's dropped it. But it's like right. you want to win this season. If you're that competitive, you're that serious about winning, you've got to understand that you've got to build that relationship. If it's going to take you two, three, four weeks, like you can do all the talk you want to, but you don't have time for it. But if you don't give it the time, you're going to get to the playoffs. And it's going to be like I've got no one to pass to. And yeah, it's going to be a lot worse. Yeah, it's going to be ago. it's going to be a lot worse if it's like twenty targets to. Randall Cobb than it was going to Devontae and the Devontae one didn't work either. One last thing on that. I saw Rogers unfavorably compared. I think it was Josh Eberle who, who sent the tweet, but Mahomes and it was a much different situation. Um, They were up big. I think already at this point against the Cardinals, the chiefs, but Juju had a drop. And then I think also a fumble and the broadcast, you could see Mahomes basically just give him like a thumbs up as they walked off the field. Like, don't worry about it. Like, it's good. And again, the Chiefs were in a much different position. But I do think there is some merit in that comparison of like picking your guy up. And especially, I mean, Juju probably needed it less. I mean, this is a guy who's more famous than he is good, but already a proven player, a just good player. A contract. Like he's- yeah, yeah. So it's it's probably less necessary than these two rookies, but I think still like the, the vibe check, right? It, it yep. did better for Mahomes and, and Juju and them. And obviously the game went better. I don't, I'm not saying it was, you know, without the thumbs up, they lose that game. But I do think that it's, it's, it's worth investigating that. And hopefully, yep. you know, Rogers can just chillax. So just, you know, maybe uh, go to a cer- certain state, you know, certain substance. I don't know. I, I think if we can get down the sideline, maybe that would help. But just yeah, for Rodgers, though. Just for Rodgers. Yeah, I was overall, like, the receiver, like, just Dobbs and uh, Watson focused. Watson, nothing to write home about. He had those two uh, two catches. I must have missed a second one towards the end of the game. 
but he had the one out in the flat that was a nice pickup for like nine, eight, nine yards. But then Romeo Dobbs was also showing out a little bit, not, not showing up, but coming along, we'll say, um, this game sort of in the second half when the offense did really pick up. The uh, He had a couple, he had the one big uh, catch for I think like 23 yards or something. When it was like it was second, 23, second, yeah. Yeah, second and 19, it got the first down. Like he got open and that, that's good. He did what he was supposed to, caught the ball, turned and got the first down. So we've been mentioning it in every episode we've talked about these receivers and it's it's going to be a theme throughout just to see how they develop and see how they go from game to game. First game, not great, not atrocious, so that's fine. Anything else? The one, on the, the one thing that, yeah, the one thing that surprised me with receivers is that we didn't see a little bit more of Sammy Watkins featured because I thought he weird. did okay. Yeah. Um, and I thought that would be one of the kind of instinctive things Rogers would do when he's kind of getting irked that the young guys is okay. Who knows at the play out here? And we'd see a lot of Watkins and Cobb, and that didn't really happen, even though I think targeted three times. They and yeah. Got- they each got targeted three times, yeah. Yeah, like that's that was pretty surprising to me. That could change dramatically by next week if we see a couple of early looks to to Watson and Dobbs, and they're not doing what Rogers likes. Yeah. But uh, I thought that would have been an adjustment here, and the fact it wasn't is kind of interesting. Also, just kind of Lafleur leading with the front foot of you know Watson and Dobbs right from the off. Yep. This is how we see the best version of our team coming together. And you should be targeting them, I think, is also a tell. I think it's much better for the Packers in the long term. But this could be where you get some butting of heads organizationally between Rodgers and what the Packers as a whole have in store this year. And this is kind of the problem, obviously, when you get a a QB of his stature at this point in their career. Right. Yeah, Yeah, I just thought, oh, go ahead, Newmark. Let me go. I just think we just segueing a little bit. I just think it's hard to talk much more about the receivers without talking about the way the offensive line played, because I think maybe part of the reason we didn't see more Watkins and Cobb is seemed like the younger guys were doing more underneath routes for a lot of the game. And that was all the Packers could do because the Vikings defensive line, it really kills me and makes me absolutely sick to say this, but Zadarius and their unit really balled out and made life really hard for Aaron Rodgers. Again, I think he's wrong in a lot of the things he says. We don't know the exact specifics. He just comes off as annoying, but credit to him. He played really well. The Vikings defense as a whole played really well. Rodgers was never comfortable. He rarely even had enough time to extend plays like he likes to do. And most of the time he did, he ended up just having to take a sack because he's not used to doing it with these guys. And they they weren't able to get open, or at least he didn't find them when they were open. Um, and the, there was just kind of a mess for that reason. I think, as you mentioned, I believe, we talked about it a little before we started recording, but I think you said on air as well, Zach Tom coming in helped a little bit, at least with the run game. Yep. But the right side of the line was not good. They were not able to sustain long plays. And some of these routes that, that uh, you know, I think the worst part of LaFleur on offense was some of these routes that were taking so long to develop. Right. Rodgers didn't have the time to, to throw the ball to him, and the receivers did, weren't able to get open. It, it honestly was a little McCarthy-esque. You know, late stage McCarthy having the guys run these like crazy convoluted routes and there's just no time for it to develop. Um, So, you know, I think obviously we don't even want to talk about Bakhtiari coming back anytime soon, but obviously being without Elkton Jenkins, you really felt that throughout the whole game, 
you know, the Packers, which we've loved this strong offensive line for so long, it was a weakness today and it made it really hard for the passing game to do much down the field outside of, you know, the pick, which was bad. We can talk about and the Watson drop we already covered. Right. I think sort of to transition a little bit, I'll talk a little bit like Matt LaFleur's play calling. It wasn't like good. Like we, we, we've talked about how the running backs are going to be the offense for this team. Like that Matt LaFleur has really wanted a running back led offense since his time here. Not like publicly, but you can tell in the way the team is constructed and how they've been using Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon. That, that is what he wanted. And in the second half, that showed great. Like that was, they led a lot with Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon. In the first half, um, I think it was Aaron Jones had a significant run or a pass or a catch out of the backfield for like 15, 20 yards. And they went away from it. That was like the last, like the only time that Aaron Jones really touched the ball in the first half. Besides a couple of little runs, he only Aaron Jones only ran the ball five times, five times yeah, for fifty yards. But and three catches. The the biggest failure of the game plan is how do you not Aaron Jones is your best skill position player. It's not close. AJ Dillon's good, but it's not close. Him getting eight touches yep. in a game where you don't have a really any you don't have a lot of options. I won't say you have any. But eight touches for Aaron Jones is like a crazy underutilization. This is not like, you know, it, not to use a player in bad taste, but it's not like an Adrian Peterson where it's like all he can do is run from single back. Like right. Aaron Jones can do everything on the football field. That's why he was worth the contract he got yep. for a running back where not, not many guys are. So to, for him to get eight touches is really, really not not good enough. Yeah, I was just I was, I was annoyed that even though they're playing down, like they're playing down since the first drive. You have the entire game and the entire of both halves essentially to get the running game going and able to make sure that passing game does open up a little bit. And it just didn't do it fast enough. Like halftime is the easy time to make transitions in your offense and like game plan a little bit for the second half of what went wrong in the first half. But man, I don't know how they just weren't feeding Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon that, that, uh, that first half. And that kind of touches on, the running backs that were that's our next like sort of talking point is that they were good ish like it's hard to say they were bad it's hard to say they were great just because of obviously the score of the game but aaron jones five carries for 49 yards um aj dillon 10 carries for 45 yards and then aj dillon leading uh leading pass catcher with five receptions on six targets for 46 yards and then Aaron Jones, three catches for 27 yards on five targets. And obviously, A.J. Dillon had the one touchdown uh, from the goal line. But you could tell there's nothing really to talk about the running game from the first half. It just didn't exist. But weirdly enough, we can say it's because of Zach Tom or say it's because they started going to the running backs more. The running game picked up a lot in the second half. And it led to a touchdown. And if they had more time, per se, and... They didn't try to pass the ball so much to where Rodgers was being a detriment, especially on that horrendous interception in the first half. But either which way, the run game that I hope to see for the rest of the season was there in the second half. I, I think the other thing that's worth noting is how the dynamics at running back have just shifted completely because it feels like we're going to see the two of them on the field together a lot of the time, mm-hmm. most of the time, because... They are two of the guys that Rogers is going to tr- trust uh, most of all to receive, you know, right. to actually go and 
catch some passes, I think particularly early in the season, where part of a and I felt really late in the year, um, where the brew or where the brewers, this is something that <laughs> I can have to battle, where the Packers had a lot of success with the run game is you could get Aaron Jones to kind of come in and almost soften the defense up and then Dylan would come in and you get bigger right. gains. Where I, I just don't think that is at play there when both guys are out there all the time, which is what it felt like. Um, and there, there is no excuse for Aaron Jones not having meaningful touches. I, I think it doesn't make a whole lot of sense when you look at the weapons that were at the Packers' disposal today. But that is a, an adjustment too. I don't know, does that ease up, for example, when Alan Lazard is back and there's another passing option that... Rogers is going to feel a little bit more comfortable with, and right. maybe you've just got a little bit more flexibility in what you're looking to do offensively. Um, but I mean, the other side of it then is kind of where, where Ty finished up when we were talking around some of the stuff with Rogers too. The offensive line was an adventure. I like, I think all four sacks that Rogers took came from the right side. Yep. That's, that's a real problem. And it was noticeable when there was just nowhere to run. Rogers in his own right, holding onto the ball a little bit too much. Like there's a lot there that's on Lafleur. I, I think it's also you can't just absolve Rogers no. for some of his decision making either. I I think there was an element of he was frustrated, he was agitated with it, but he was also making a point. You know, he wasn't going to be letting things go too quickly. As opposed to being like, well, I'm going to stand here in the pocket and I'm going to look and I'm going to see if someone's downfield that is going to be able to catch this ball, that it's going to be worth me targeting. I'm going to see if the offensive line are going to be able to stop me from getting sacked. And I don't know, part of that, I just didn't feel great about it. It felt a little bit like, you know, shrugging your shoulders. What am I supposed to do here? Yeah. And the last the one. And the offensive line are not doing enough to help me. And I get part of that, but it's also season started now. You know, <laughs> I, I know none of you play preseason, but you've, you've got to start taking it from game one and rather than just kind of showing the frustration. Uh, I think there is a mixture there. Play calling could have been a lot better, but I also think Rogers' decision-making was far from his finest. Yep. The last sack he took, it, it, this is, again, at a point in the game where, it, you know, can they realistically win? Yes, actually. Like, it was still a game at this point. And he takes one of those sacks where, the pressure was in front of him and he could see the pocket dissolving and the pass rush coming. And it, you just got to know if you're not a rookie quarterback, you, you know, this is a situation where you throw the ball away. And even if you have to punt or whatever, you save time, you don't lose yardage field position matters so much. And maybe not a close game, but in a game where every play, everything matters so much when you're down in, in an NFL football game. And it was, that was probably the most frustrating one. I mean, I think we talked about this on prior episodes, this idea that, I mean, yes, obviously the offensive line has a lot to do with it, but quarterbacks have a lot to do with sacks as well. And someone like Tom Brady, you know, we'll see how they actually play and how they look, but he's expected to mitigate some of Tampa Bay's offensive line issues by getting rid of the ball fast and being decisive and you can cover for the offensive line. And there was some of that on, on that that same drive, actually, for Rodgers, where he was just hitting guys in the flat, eight yards here, nine yards, getting out of bounds, moving the ball. But too many times, at least four times, the four sacks, it was hold the ball, hold the ball, hold the ball, look, look, look. And it's just those are just drive killers when you take those sacks and certainly contributed to the offense coming up short too many times. Yeah, like 
there was at least two sacks of his four that I counted where I was like, you gotta get rid of it. Like you just you can't you gotta, you gotta throw it. There was multiple times you had to go throw it and then just pulled it back and took the sack. It's like no, just throw the ball. Like you have enough arm to get it out of bounds. Like I know I I've seen you do it. Like come on, just throw the ball, get rid of it, and live another down. And um, yeah, it was it was tough. Did did you guys not feel that? He was too committed to the idea of the long ball. Yep. And it feels like that was part of the game plan coming in, but the Vikings had very much anticipated that. And there needed to be a counter. Like the thing that was frustrating me all game, and I think Greg Olson flagged it up a couple of times. The passes that were there all game long were short through the middle. Yep. And it's it could just been easy, quick first downs where you're building up momentum, where you're having really effective drives getting you in scoring position, giving you really meaningful chances at a regular clip. And they were not going to that because all of those instances where he ends up sacked, he's standing in the pocket and he's looking downfield and the Vikings are like, great. That's hey, what we're thanks. covering for. Appreciate like, it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's it's what we want you to do. It's where you thought you were going to have success, but we knew that. So you're right. kind of playing into our hands here. That was, that was again, one thing that I was kind of, there's other areas too. I think when we get onto the defense, where you're waiting for the adjustment of what's clearly happening in front, and it felt like the Packers had a very clearly defined game plan that they also stuck to. Right, which I was annoyed about. Like, I had a point in my last before I talked last. I was like, I want to talk about the game plan, and then I forgot it. And then you brought it up again. So thank you. Why? Like, I understand your game plan for a team in like all week, and like that's sort of what you kind of stick for throughout it. But the, the, in a similar way that they changed how they were going to start running the ball more and utilizing Dylan and Jones more in the second half, the same exact thing should have happened with Rodgers in the passing game to go over over the middle, just short uh, like slants and crosses to get these guys involved and get their confidence up and realize, hey, I can still catch the ball. Like the drops don't define me. Let's start to build some momentum just to move the ball. Like that's one thing that is at least that you can take away from like a dink and dunk offense is that. At least you're getting these guys chances to prove themselves, and that they they can kind of build that momentum to make a big play, and that's where we thought this was going to kind of go this week. Is that rather than those dink and dunk plays building the offense, it was me the run game. Well, that happened in the second half, but then you had to get these young guys acclimated to the to the system and to the game quickly when they were thrust into these one and two options. It seems like because it really did seem like Watson and Dobbs were wide receiver one and two to start the game and instead they just started running long routes like 10 15 yard routes or that bomb to start to chris watson to begin the, to begin the uh the, the game it's just once those are out and it's not working try to get these guys warmed up is i guess the best way to do it just to get their confidence and then take the top off the defense but Hopefully that's an adjustment they make next week against the Bears. Like just try to get these guys a few easy catches and then start taking your shots. Yeah, especially weird that there wasn't more focus on the shorter stuff. And I think this is something NFL defenses are doing more against elite quarterbacks is trying to make them only do that and just hoping that they 
more or less get bored or don't want to. Like right. one of the impressive parts about Josh Allen's game against the Rams is like he just sat there and just took those all day and just said, all right, then if that's I'll just take what's open and keep making the throws. Right. And that's why he looks like the best quarterback in football. And he's going to be a favorite to win MVP this season. And the Bulls are championship or the, the Bills are championship favorites. All the sports are getting intertwined here. But especially when like your your weapons are two running backs and Christian Watson, who did more damage as a running back and a guy around the line of scrimmage than he did as an actual receiver, when those are your your chief weapons, or at least some of them on offense, it's more bizarre to go away from that and try to go down the field more when you know the players you're using are probably more effective within ten lines at a lot, uh, ten yards of the line of scrimmage. Right. You guys have anything else on offense or as a? Move to defense. And- we should talk about the uh, turnover on down to the goal line. I guess, what is your take on it? I think you might have not liked the call. Yeah. Well, I, I don't hate giving it to A.J. Dillon on the goal line. I think that's a fine idea. He's A.J. Dillon. That's, like, that's his thing. But I don't like the play. The play to me, I didn't like it because it was like, trying to do two things. It was trying to half-ass two things instead of whole-assing one thing. The zone look that gets covered, the Vikings do a good job to take it away, and then it's a shotgun single-back handoff after you take a beat to look for the pass that isn't there that allows the Vikings to get ready and and then stop A.J. Dillon. I think if you want to throw the ball with Aaron Rodgers, that makes sense to me. He's Aaron Rodgers. Get some receivers wide, throw the football. And they did a couple times leading up to it. That's how they got to the one. But if you want to do that, I'm fine with it. I'm fine with Aaron Rodgers getting the ball. If you want to say we trust A.J. Dillon in our running game, we're going to run the ball. I'm fine with that too. But do a real running play. Don't do a shotgun, halfback draw, or, or zone read running play. I just think it makes it too easy for the defense to adjust. So I thought it was frustrating for sure. I don't. I like the call of going for it in that situation. I think it was the right call to to do an offensive play. I just thought the offensive play that Lafleur did it was like too cute for it for the own good. I think you try to do one or the other thing, you have a better chance of trying to like do both. Basically, why not was, bring in? Go, go ahead, Adam. No, I was just gonna say it was also it was Darius Smith who came to meet AJ Dillon, right? So yep. it, you can you can look at that too as. The guy who knows um, the personnel, he knows how you're going to approach situations like this. And I know it's one thing knowing, oh, A.J. Dillon's going to have the ball here. This might be where they go with it. That's another stopping A.J. Dillon. But I, I did think that was something telling, too, just how quickly Zadarius Smith was up there to meet him. It wasn't ideal. And just the one other play I think I'd throw into this, I guess it's it's what decides the game. Although, if we're being honest, the game was already over. But with like what whatever it was, three minutes twenty, three thirty left in the fourth, you're turn one, and yeah. you're not really effectively targeting anything with your runs either. Where you're like, this is easy, you know. You've got Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon. This is very very easy to get yourself that one yard. You've got two shots at it in that situation, and then in that case, it's the passing that comes out. That's just something that is. I think worth kind of taking from this week and keeping a close eye on in the really kind of crucial clutch situations where you need to get one yard. I think not a whole lot of creativity and bad decisions all around. Right. No, it was third and one at the Minnesota 18 and they have that short, like flat play to Christian Watson. doesn't get his head turn on time, almost intercepted fourth and one. 
fourth one to take a shot in the end zone, which I don't agree with at all. It was uh, that that one. I look at Rogers. I mean, it's clearly Rogers the route was that, but that you need you need a yard. And at that point, like scrambling would have been he, a much better option than he forced it with the yeah percent. Like he lucky wasn't picked again, but he it was a hundred percent a force. The funny thing was he placed the ball so perfectly, but the defense was just all over it, like yeah. you say. Like it was exactly on. I believe was that Tanyan. This Hunyan, yeah, it was right on his hands, but yep. Daniil Hunter, I think it was, was also right on his hands. So yep. not a good, good throw, horrible decision. Yep, pretty much a lot of the vibe today <laughs> from the offense. So We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Uh, if nothing else, we'll be moving on to the defense. And man, was that first half tough to watch? Like, I think we. I just got. I just saw a quote come across Twitter that maybe okay. we can open this up with. I don't. Okay. Have you seen this? I have. Don't, no, I don't have it open yet. Go ahead. Uh, Jair Alexander to me and at Rob Domovsky. This is from Matt Schneidman. I'm not gonna like this. No, you're not. Post game on coaches not having him shadow Justin Jefferson. Quote: All week I was asking for that matchup, but it ain't about me. It's about the team. It ain't about me. If it was my way, you know what I would be doing. End quote. Is this the time that we also talk about maybe Jair Alexander's utter quote? Yeah, Jair Alexander's not having a fun couple of weeks. In well, no, but he's also, there, there's, there's, week, a, yeah. there's a point at that too where it's like, what are you bringing in to start the season? It yeah. doesn't, doesn't yeah. seem like he's bringing himself in in the best place mentally to be like, yeah, we're gonna go out there. We're gonna lock them down. Like I, I don't even know how that may factor into decision making. But I don't know if this is the point in the season to start off with all of the fiery quotes. I get he's frustrated about a number of things. It seems like, but yeah, not ideal. No, I'm, I'm going to go the opposite of you and say I will let Jair Alexander talk his talk his talk on whatever <laughs> he needs to say about Joe Barry in that assignment because Joe Barry not having him shadow um Justin Jefferson is at any point ridiculous. at any point it, not it wasn't a late game adjustment it just no, didn't happen and it, they did it one time when Justin Jefferson in the second half was going through and like he was starting to make some plays I think it was like a third down or something that catch that wasn't a catch that they called OPI and Justin Jefferson about it worked that was Jair Alexander in coverage and like clearly he knows he can do it he did it and so to start the game without him shadowing Justin Jefferson is ridiculous. It's a miscalculation and it should change going forward. Like I know that Barry's trying to institute as like a 
face zone for the defense, which on a personal level drives me insane. I hate zone. I hate it with all my being. But why not just have Justin or have Jair Alexander shadow the number one receiver on in every week? That it doesn't make any sense to pay him the money and the extension that they did to not have him be Darrell Revis or not have him be uh Richard Sherman of their eras. Like we have a star in Jair Alexander and Joe Barry and the rest of the coaching staff actively refusing to highlight that star in the defensive scheme is just bad decision making. It's there's no excuse for it. Well, we got his reason why on the broadcast camera if it was Aaron Andrews or who it was who actually had yeah. the answer from Joe Barry. Right. Which, the answer is dumb. Uh, <laughs> the answer is not great. Uh the the answer being that, you know, well, it's one thing to say, okay, you get Jared Alexander to to take on that matchup. Joe Barry's response is in reality, that's just kind of having a trickle down effect where everyone else has to scramble for their matchup. And it's really, it's affecting more people by doing it than it is by not doing it. Any theory, any theory that revolves around trickle down, I think has been proven to be very cogent and effective over time. So I don't know, pretty surprising this one didn't work. I'm just, (laughs) no, what he's saying is that with Jair Alexander shadowing a receiver, that trickles down to affect other stuff poorly. And what? Yeah, no, I know. Because it, every, right. everyone else has to rush to just react to the situation and pick guys right. up which he doesn't like. But the counter for that is you have, I mean, right, right from the jump, um, they were just able to isolate the Vikings where matchups where I think they're obviously beneficial. Some Quay Walker early on, they're like, okay, let's target the rookie and let's let's be like, right. welcome to the NFL. Here's here's Justin Jefferson. How do you like that? And he had one that was really, really not so great early on. Right. But I, I think the one that like is just completely inexcusable at that point, it's like you're going, okay, the game plan is not working here, is where you end up pressing Smith isolate one-on-one with him. That's, that's not at that new. point. That's not new. But you're just like, how can how could you justify that you don't have a tighter focus on this is the guy. Right. We know we're getting someone equipped to do it because this is maybe one of the more extreme examples we're going to see of this all season as well but you've got to you've got to kind of account for that you've got to prepare for that and be like okay is this ideally how we want to play every week or is this like exactly in line with our fundamentals no but there is a chance that if we stick to our plan this one guy could take it all down which is what happened it reminded me of the game when the packers are facing the vikings at home and Jory Nelson went off for like 150 yards and two touchdowns in the first half. And then we heard after the game is that the reason that that happened and that he didn't really get targeted much in the second half is that the Vikings secondary disagreed like on whole with the defensive coordinator's uh, game plan going in. So they said, screw it. We're going to do our own game plan and put a different player on Jory Nelson to cover him. And it didn't work out. And then they switched it at the game like at halftime. But man, like it's the same thing. It's just like how do you start the the game not planning for Justin Jefferson just to beat you? Like that's yeah. What he's without a doubt their best specialist on offense. Like, I believe he is. I think he leads the NFL in receiving yards since 2020. So he's without a doubt a guy you have to look for on on any team. Like he's one it. of those guys. Yeah, yeah, it was it was frustrating to say the least. The the stats. 
I think they have to be shared. Nine receptions, 184 yards, and two touchdowns on two t- on 11 targets. Justin Jefferson was 81% of the Vikings passing yards. 81% of the Kirk Cousins yardage came throwing to Justin Jefferson. He was 100% of Kirk Cousins touchdowns. And I just think that's how you know that the trickle down theory is stupid because like, oh, if maybe Eric Stokes can't hang with Adam Thielen. I, I don't think Adam Thielen's going to do this. I think no. that's it's better if you lose an Adam Thielen or a Dalvin Cook was the next receiver. Then Johnny Munt, who Adam and I didn't really know existed when we were looking over the box score for this game. Let Johnny Munt run free, Joe Barry. We can live with that. This is like, yeah, we were going to double Steph Curry, but Andre Iguodala was going to be like pretty wide open in the corner. Like that's, that's okay. You allocate your resources better, my guy. Yep. 100%. Like it's, and like with that said, like Thielen is kept in check a little bit, like 36 yards for a guy who is a solid if Justin Jefferson isn't there, he was wide receiver one, so he's got that wide receiver one talent. But to dedicate all of your defensive scheme towards containing Adam Thielen and not toward Justin Jefferson is insane. It's insane. That's all. That's all there is to it. So that none of this helped with the defense not having a pass rush either. Like there, it just wasn't really there for most of the game, especially in like the first half. Sands the Rashawn Gary sack. Kirk Cousins had all day. Like I wish I had the stats to talk about like the whatever the the snap to throw timer because it was four, five, six seconds repeatedly all day long, and Kirk Cousins wasn't scrambling, he wasn't like moving around the pocket. He just took his five step drop and waited, and that's not that's how you lose is when your quarterback has all day to figure out where he wants to go, and then Justin Jefferson gets open because he's Justin Jefferson. Then yeah, of course. He's gonna go off for 184 yards and two touchdowns. Like that's that's pretty simple. I, I think the difference there too, and to give credit to Cousins and credit to the Vikings is he took what the Packers defense gave him, which is exactly what Rodgers and the Packers didn't do on the other side. It's yep. you've got if you don't take the easy stuff, you know, the more ambitious plays, the longer shots, deeper shots down the field, they're not gonna open up for you. And I think he just did a really good job of, okay, that's there and we'll keep it moving. And I, I'm now, I shouldn't be saying this because I'm taking us off track, but one thing that really bugged me in the first half in particular is it's just like, it's third and seven, it's third and seven, it's third and seven. There's nothing happening first down, second down. There's, there's nothing, there's no purpose. And then you're like in a spot where you can't get anything going. And that contrast with Kirk Cousins was was really striking because the Vikings were making gains the second they got possession. Yeah. And that's how you've got to do it. You've got to give yourself as many shots as possible, particularly against a good defense like the Packers allegedly are. Um I believe it. I do believe it. But that's kind of the crucial difference when you look at the offense of the two teams. It's like, yeah, okay, you've got this absolute standout in terms of their best wide receiver. And I'm sure Rogers just looks at that and he's like, yeah, look, look what he has to work with and look at the outcome of the game. But it also just comes down to, I think Cousins making very, very solid, steady decisions all around. That's the kind of quarterback he is playing to his game. And on a day when the Packers are not perfect, well, guess what? That's going to give you a really good chance to win or at least be in the game. Yeah, this is, I, I noted this, I think, in like around halftime. This is exactly what you can't 
give Kirk Cousins and really any quarterback, but especially Cousins who is, kind, I guess, kind of divisive. I think boring in a certain sense yeah. because, like, this is like this is as the opposing team. You need to either not give him open throws or pressure him, and then you can you can beat Kirk Cousins. But he's a guy where, and this is why he keeps getting these big two-year extensions from the Vikings. If you get him in a situation like this, where receivers are getting open and he's not under pressure, he's going to sit back there and fire those throws all day. And it's exactly what he did. He didn't make mistakes. He hit the open throws and he he torched the Packers. And I just think, you know, can he do some of the special things that Rodgers can do? No, but he's perfectly content with making the 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 obvious read every single time. Yep. And that can be boring. And maybe that that kind of you know steadiness doesn't doesn't you know, win you close games against other great teams, right. but it certainly is enough when, as you, as you guys have said, we've all said, when, if you're playing a team who's not that good, this is the kind of thing that will, that will just get you wins against those teams. I hate And the Packers did not play like a good team. No, they didn't. And like, yeah, that's, that's where like the idealist version of Aaron Rodgers exists when he takes on some of those lesser QB qualities with like, yeah, take the easy read, take the seven yard dump and just like try to get yards and make easy plays rather than extending for big chunk plays. Like he's done that his entire career and that's what made him makes him Aaron Rodgers. But it's just sometimes that's not the best way to conduct an offense. Um I just read this tweet from Ryan Wood that his like analysis and it made me like sneer and grin and I just hate it. But he says, big problem today, the Packers almost never showed in camp, busted coverage. And it happened against the one guy you must cover each play. Quote, a lot of his catches were uncontested, Amos, uh, Adrian Amos said. And then he finishes the tweet with, uh, if only the NFL had an option to iron out those wrinkles. They could call it a preseason. <laughs> like, I understand you don't want to get your guys hurt in the preseason because the games don't matter. But, and ultimately, like, this comes up twice a year now because of the way they started out against the Saints last year. But, like, the game against the Saints last year doesn't matter as much as now this game means against the Vikings week one this year. If the Vikings are going to be good, which it looks like they might be, considering how that offense was kind of just chugging along pretty pretty well, the tiebreaker, now you have to win against the Vikings late in the season at Lambeau. Like, there's just no doubt about it. And that matters. Like, if, if they're good, you're, they're, they're going to come to play in Lambeau again. And those tiebreakers mean things. You're trying to win the division. You're trying to get the number one seed. So losing this poorly against a division opponent week one, much more concerning just rest of the season-wise than against the Saints last year. Also for ramping up and for yeah. just turning things around because you lose that game last year and it's you don't go through preseason. They've got the same sort of same kind of ideas coming into it well you've got Devonte adams and you've got mvs like you've got guys who have been around and who rogers has a level of trust in that those guys right. are gone with obviously christian watson's health coming through preseason um that's an issue that wasn't ideal even just for getting him the kind of reps that they would have liked in kind of a best case scenario but that's where again maybe going to him more and living with the consequences of that you lost this game as is but I, I think there is something there too. It's not just that you're losing to a divisional rival and a game that could have tiebreaker kind of consequences down the line, but it's also your roster is not just ready to bounce back in the same right. way week two that it was last year, because 
you've got guys who haven't been here before. You've got guys who are going to take a week one loss a lot harder than seasoned vets who've been there before and have lots of wins under their belt and lots of losses too. To just know this is kind of the rub of the green, the ins and outs of an NFL season. You don't need to get two up or two down at this point. I think that's that's going to be a challenge with it too. And that's somewhere as well where you need kind of, you need your senior leaders, you need your captains to put arms around those guys. And it's Rickett's tough when Rodgers is uh, not, not crazy about the drop pass. Yeah. You know, and I look, I get that side of it too, but it's just a, it seems also somewhat narrow-minded from him because if he wants the best for himself, you're going to have to get the best out of these guys. This is what you've got to work with. Right. And there's something there, but you're going to have to put the work in. Right. Yeah. I strongly agree with all that. <laughs> I think, uh, should we do silver linings before we do uh, the next segment? Yeah. I have a couple. I mean, if I thought you got them. We'll leave it to you. I, I did think going in, even before we saw how the game unwinded, this was obviously going to be the hardest NFC North game for the Packers yep. of the season. In Minnesota, by itself, would would beat that because we know the Bears did beat the Niners, who kind of a slop game, and the Niners did not look good at all. But you know, we knew the the Vikings were a cut ahead of the Bears and the Lions. The Lions like held in with Philly, who people see as a, a, a Super Bowl possibility. So maybe the NFC North is just good and it's more complicated. But I think I think still uh, going into Minnesota, you expect to be the hardest game. Plus, you're without Bakhtiari and Jenkins. Plus, you're without Lazard. Plus, you know Rodgers has never played in a real game with Dobbs and and um, Watson before so i think there were a lot of reasons to expect that this would be the hardest nfc north game for the packers you certainly expected a better competition level but they didn't they didn't drop the easiest game of the year and also i mean it's not great but again they got shellac to start week one of the 2021 season and bounce back and won 13 games so it's certainly possible i agree it's not apples to apples and i am worried about the vibes like you know last year at this time it was like all the smarmy, like last dance, weird IG memes and everything, which was annoying, but at least it, like they kind of could bond around it, at least some of the guys. And now it's just like a bunch of sniping at each other and bad feelings. So mm-hmm. I really hope somebody can step up and maybe it doesn't have to be Rogers. Maybe it can't be Rogers, but I hope somebody can should step up him. and it should be him, but I don't know. Um, does that take like, and you guys have a better read in the team and over a longer period of time than I do. Clearly him and Bakhtiari are really, really close. One of yeah. the only guys in the team that seems the relationship is there. Do the Packers need back back for reasons beyond just the like the offensive line to be a bridge with Rogers and everyone else? Uh, it seems like something that is maybe important there. And if it's not coming from there, I, I don't personally know who it comes from, but it does feel like that is certainly an ingredient for the vibes where they need I don't know, someone who is going to have the patience, the tolerance, and is going to go out their way to help the younger guys. Are not even, it's, cause it's not even just the rookies. There's a lot of guys here who just are now in bigger roles than they were before. Right. So you're going to bridge that gap, but you also know how to speak to Rodgers on his terms, to speak to the veterans who are like, we're supposed to win a Super Bowl, and this is where we need to be at to do that. Right. No, I don't think that Bakhtiari being on the field changes Rodgers' attitude and much of that at all. Like... They're friends. Hey, like, if if that was the case, if that did fix it, then Randall Cobb should be fixing it. Because mm. those three like are all very close, 
And if that's the reason, like Rogers doesn't have a veteran out there that he can really bond to to bring him down, then Randall Cobb shouldn't be on the team anyways. Like if that's the thing. Well, Mercedes Lewis, I know more of a blocker, but he should be a guy who can help help steady the ship as well. Yep, that was where I was going to go. But having probably close to the most experience on the team, just in the NFL, being the leader in the locker room that he's become the last three years being there. Leading leading the league by far in Mercedes Lewis still plays tweets per week. Yes. No other player is even close to the I see it every every single week. Right. And so like he's one of the guys that should be and not to put so much on Mercedes Lewis, like love Mercedes him. Lewis, if you can't make the Packers friends, you're not doing your job. <laughs> right. Like I don't want to put that onus and make it like seem like a thing like he's not doing that, but there like there's an opportunity for him to sort of fill that void if he isn't already. So silver lining I, is that I feel bad about making him into like Udonis Haslam thing. He's got to like he's I got agree. to. No, I, you I, catch I, no passes, you gotta make two friends per game. But then the the flip side of that is I think it comes down to it's like if it's not Cobb and it's not Bakhtiari, which is it, this is possibly very reasonable based on a whole lot of things we know at this point. You can't get to Rogers. Like only Rogers can get to Rogers, and uh, right. that's a challenge in its own right. Like, and I I don't know what you do with that. You need everything to just click. Like it may not fix itself unless Christian Watson goes out next week and a similar opportunity arises. He makes that catch, and yep. it's like okay, well, <clears throat> here we are. Right. No, I agree. Um, we'll finish out with uh, a happy note. Special teams. Oh. Oh yeah, special teams wasn't an issue today. They weren't. They weren't noticed. That's all. Yeah, I thought they special yeah. teams. I will say I was a little nervous on almost all the punts. They were getting a little close, <laughs> but uh, ultimately, no muffs, no blocks, probably. no huge returns. Right? Nope. nope. They had one where one of the gunners could have made a tackle for like a tackle as soon as he caught it, but then I think he got like five, ten yards out of it, which I'm not too concerned about. So overall, yeah, the the long on kicks was twenty five, and I think it was around to the twenty five yard line. And the long on punts was seven. So yeah, yeah. So, um, anything else to say on special teams? Otherwise, we'll move on. Amari Rogers as the returner still is not something I'm crazy about. That's all I'll say on that. No, no issues today. Nothing. Also, nothing remarkable in a positive sense, but. I was a little surprised that that's the point that we got through to start the season where it's still like, yeah, that's that's his job. And it doesn't seem like really there's a whole lot of competition. There's a whole lot of kind of pressure on him or anyone breathing down his neck. That that kind of surprised me a little and also makes me feel uncomfortable. But hey, so far, so good, which is kind of the, the special team story so far. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't I don't have notes. I thought I agree with what both of you said. And I think between offense and special teams, this really has to be a Mario Rogers year to make something prove himself in some sort of tangible way, because there's been a lot of excitement about his toolbox and it just really has not materialized into all that much production so far. I forget who tweeted it. Um, but one of the things oh here Ryan would tweeted it. Uh, during camp, special teams coordinator Rich Biasakcha uh, ripped into Amari Rogers. Ripped into Amari Rogers for being too conservative, calling a fair catch. He might do the same with one he had earlier, because the sideline was wide open. They called their fair catch, so I think that's just part of learning the role, and not having a true returner makes that sort of tough. So, 
Hopefully he can fix it and start being a little more aggressive with those returns, so long as he hangs on to the ball. I wouldn't mind a, a fair catch every time, as long as it doesn't result in a Oh, it's, it's better than the alternative, for sure. Right. So. Okie dokie. We have one more piece of intel to relay. You didn't. You were going to not do it, and I, I want to make sure that you do it. Rohan Kadi ah, in, instructed instructed did. us, make sure to mention that I said the Packers looked buns, is the direct quote. So yeah. thanks for the insight, Rohan. <laughs> uh, I think we all said that in various ways, but that's a pretty succinct way to put it. Right. So much akin to a few of the other podcasts here on the Eurostep Podcast Network. It started in the pandemic with Taiwan Nation Rohan Kadi introducing uh, buck stocks when the stock market became a literal fad amongst the people during the pandemic. I think we were first. No, 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 no. Like the like, as, did you debut it before? I think we got... did. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I think we actually did it. They started the year before, and then <clears throat> stocks became in vogue, and we really had to play it. <laughs> Are you really you're taking the credit for stocks becoming in vogue? Is that what yeah, I mean? yeah. I don't I don't know if there is any. Uh, <coughs> any there was big... the there was the Eurostep stock market, and then there was like GameStop. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think GameStop happens were it not for some of our controversial Chris Middleton stock decisions. I that's my thought. Anyway, go ahead, Numa. I honestly forget when it started and like when it's... you guys did it. So, regardless. From yeah. going buck stocks, uh, from Eurostep to the Massive Rural Leaderboard uh, for Cruising for a Bruising. Uh, this is going to be the Talk of the Tundra cheese board, where the, the, the different to, uh, to Cruising for a Bruising, but similar to uh, the buck stocks, we'll have tiers of points we'll be giving away in the form of cheeses. One point is going to be a nice monster. A great sandwich cheese, a good, a good game, nothing, nothing to uh, super celebrate, but needs to be recognized. Two points is gonna be pepper jack, an, an all-around just elite cheese, a little spice in there to to kick things up and make some standout plays. But then three points. This is gonna be, I'm, I'm excited to hand out my first three point of the season. Who knows when it'll come, but yeah, I'm going to. Uh, is a 20 year old nice sharp cheddar man that's reserved for the the best performances maybe we'll get like a romeo dobbs or christian watson 200 yard two touchdown game and that, that one's uh that one's leo dicaprio's favorite cheese <laughs> <laughs> moving on <laughs> so this week we're all starting at zeros we won't do we won't do an ipo like uh Eurostep might this year but for for cheeses oh i forgot to mention as well when there's particularly bad games, just atrocious, no goods, you get a negative one point with Lindberger, the smelly cheese. So, but this week we have three monsters to give out, three big slices of monster. Uh, one to Zach Tom. The the line really short up for the run game when he came in in favor of John Runyon, who had a uh, concussion. So, one to Zach Tom. He should be starting. Like he's their line is clearly better with him in it. Um, and then one nice big slice of monster to both the running backs, AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones. Uh, without a doubt, the highlight of the Packers' offense today. Um, AJ Dillon was the. If I can do quick math, yeah, he was the most. He had the most yards 
on offense outside of obviously Aaron Rodgers with 45 yards rushing and 46 yards receiving, so a total 91. And then Aaron Jones just looked good, and when he did touch the ball, uh, total of 49 plus 27 is er, man. 76. Thank you. I, I'm, math is not good for me. Uh, so yeah, he looked good. Hopefully to see him expand on that next um, next season. Next next season. Next, next game. Next, next game. game. Hopefully no. we don't have to wait until no, next season. Don't wait. <laughs> this is going to be a grim year of podcast. <laughs> wait to sell it, Duma. Yeah, first pick. Numak was the one who said 0-17 first pick. He's ready to rebuild. <laughs> That's beside the point. Already. Um, tied. We have any reviews? I don't think we do. Oh, let me check. Uh, I don't. We don't have any on the forum, I think. So if you're listening, if you made it this far to the, the cheese section, make sure to rate and review Talk of the Tundra on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts and share your review with us. Or just, you can even, you can even just review it. Just say something about the show. If you don't listen on Apple, the only one that's uh, allows for actual reviews in app, you can send us your thoughts on Talk of the Tundra via the Discord survey form or the Discord form at gspn.info. And then you can share your review with us that way. So let us know your thoughts on the show. But I don't think we have any new ones yet. So we need uh, we need the week one momentum, although this is not exactly a great momentum game. But I'm sure there's going to be a lot of Packer fans, you know, digging into the loss, trying to figure out how we can turn, well, not really us, but how the Packers can turn this thing around. <laughs> yeah, please give us your, uh, your reviews, your five-star ratings. I really enjoy reading them. So I will read whatever you put in there, given... Uh, some obvious circumstance, but I do love uh reading them. So, send them in. I do believe there is a new review. Oh. Cowboy Spaces review. Have you had that one? Uh, I don't think so. Which one is it? I I could see it here. Will I read that? Oh no! Let, oh, it's not it? showing on Chartable yet. Oh, okay. must well, that there, must be the issue? There on Apple. It Podcast. is. It is there on Apple Podcasts. We actually have a couple. Okay. Well, send me one, or one you guys want to read it. It's up to you. You can read it, Adam. Okay, I'll read it. From my cowboy space, as a Packers season ticket holder, I feel blessed to have the GSPN gang covering the pack. Welcome to Numak. He's been killing it so far, and y'all have already made your own niche, even within the Sea of Packers podcasts. Looking forward to seeing this grow throughout the season. Five stars, which is, of course, the only... The only kind of ratings we've got. They're the only acceptable. Stuff. The only acceptable one. Yeah, they're, that's awesome. Also, all that we have. So awesome. Well, and so you. now I do see. I do see real quick before you get sentimental. Packers fanski. I see you as well. We will get to your review on the next episode. You're not missed. I just didn't see you the way I was looking. So we'll circle back to you, Packer fanski. Perfect. Well, thank you, Cowboys of, uh, of Space, for sending the review, and thank you, Packers fanski. We will read your one next time so that's it from us this week we will be coming back at you with another uh pod later this week to preview the week two matchup against the bears who beat the 49ers today in a sloppy soldier field game so uh we'll be back at back with another podcast later this week to talk about that sunday night matchup adam i thank you for uh for joining me today thanks, thanks fellas
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.